There is still a five-star class of 2023 prospect who's in play before National Signing Day next week. So where does Miami stand with Nicholas Harbor? You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, and contributor to allhurricanes.com. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. Yeah, we're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the new official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. So Nicholas Harbor is still in play before National Signing Day, uh, beginning February 1st. Harbor is a five-star athlete. He wants to play on the offensive side of the football at the collegiate level, can play jumbo receiver, can play tight end. He's six foot five. He's big and strong. And most importantly, he's fast, very fast. That's the reason why Harbor is a five-star player because he has borderline Olympic level track speed. He is a, a high school track star. He does want to run track as well as play football at the collegiate level. And he has potential Olympic aspirations. He's that special of a player. Uh, you know, he's a DK Metcalf type with the combination of size and speed. And he's actually on record faster than DK Metcalf was. So it's no wonder why Miami and so many other programs, especially in Miami's case, the need that the Hurricanes have at adding more quality and quality depth at wide receiver, why they would be so interested in a player like Nicholas Harbert. Now we're opening up this episode to questions. You can tweet the show day or night at Locked on Canes. And when you follow us at Locked on Canes on Twitter, we will follow you back. So on Harbor, we get a question from Melissa, better known as Hoodie Girl. She says, hey, where do we stand? Uh, where are we at? She says, with Harbor's recruitment. I know Mario is going in home. But Harbor never took a visit. Do we have a chance, she asks. And yeah, Mario, uh, I believe, went in home on Wednesday night with Nicholas Harbor. That was widely reported. So, okay, the fact that Cristobal gets into Harbor's living room, that tells me Miami has a chance, okay? I'll, I'll be like Lloyd Christmas in Dumb and Dumber. So you're telling me there's a chance. Uh, and, you know, the reporter who's been the most all over this one recently has been Gio Milian, who covers Miami recruiting. Uh, he's been saying for the past week that Harbor is very much in play for Miami. And actually, the first time that Gio tweeted about that was right after he whose name shall no longer be spoken flipped to Colorado. Then Gio was like, hey, that's bad news, but here's some good news. Miami is, is in play for Nicholas Harbor. Uh, you know, He's been saying that for the past week. He's kind of been on an island with that as Gio. Um, now, I'm sure just spitballing here, Miami could be very competitive with Nicholas Harbor from an NIL standpoint, because remember, missing out on he whose name shall no longer be spoken frees up, you know, a sizable NIL budget that can be allocated elsewhere. Now, you know, outside of, uh, of Gio, who I respect, pretty much everyone else has seemingly lost their confidence in Miami landing Harbor, okay? Uh, heading into the Under Armour All-America game about a month ago, uh, heading into it, I thought Miami had a, a decent shot. But then when I found out he wasn't going to make it down to South Florida for a visit, 
my hope waned severely. Um, and I also, I think it cannot help Miami's situation right now, having so much uncertainty with the offensive coaching staff, right? Because Harbor doesn't exactly know right now who his offensive coordinator or wide receivers coach would be. I guess if he, if he really wants to play tight end, he knows Stephen Field is here. But there's a lot of uncertainty on the offensive side of the football. So it's, it's really hard to sell a situation like that right now to a five-star player who is going to want to decide here relatively quickly because I'm expecting Harbor to make his announcement on February 1st, which, you know, checks calendar. That's that's coming up pretty soon here. Uh, so with Harbor, um, Oregon is considered the favorite here. Seems like Oregon's getting everybody these days because Harbor, unlike Miami, he is making an official visit to Eugene, Oregon this weekend. So they're going to get the final word with him before he announces. Uh, beyond Oregon and Miami, Michigan is in play. South Carolina has been in play, USC, Maryland. The Maryland thing might just be a courtesy on his part because that's the hometown team for him. He's a Washington, D.C. area kid. Um, you know, people were, by the way, because I, I kept seeing this all over social media last weekend, people were buzzing about him taking, you know, a, a secret visit to Colorado, a la, you know, he whose name shall no longer be spoken, that he was like in Boulder, uh, but apparently that didn't really happen. Like, I, I think he might have actually been trolling, trying to make people think he was there when he was actually in Washington, D.C. at a track meet. And he didn't actually make it out to Boulder. And and the track thing, that's made Harbor's recruitment more complicated from, you know, a university standpoint. Because it's been so hard to get that young man to visit anywhere unofficially, let alone officially, because most of his weekends have been tied up in track meets. Like, uh, you remember when Miami, I think it was shortly before the football season started, when Miami had the big cookout event, which was a recruiting event at the U. And, you know, a lot of big time players made it down, four stars and five stars. And Harbor initially was on the guest list to come down to the cookout, but he ended up not being able to make it because he opted to run a track meet instead. So that's just, it's just made it so much harder to get that young man to check out Miami or, or other places. Uh, because, you know, he's he's making official visits to certain spots, but his unofficials were very limited by the fact that he runs so much track. But I, I will like I don't want to sound all gloom and doom here. Like if you're asking me today, do I expect Nicholas Harbor to be a Miami Hurricane? If I've got to give you a yes or a no, I'm going to give you a no. But at the same time, like Melissa was hinting at. Uh, you do not rule out Mario Cristobal when those loafers show up in your living room. OK, because. We had lost some of our confidence about Samson Okunlola after the Pancake Honcho made a, an official visit down to Florida. And then a couple days later, what happens? Mario makes the in-home with the loafers on, and he was able to close. So I'm not going to rule Miami out completely, right? If, if, you, if I have to give you a yes or a no, I'll give you a no. But if I can put a percentage on it, I can maybe give you 5 to 10%. Or I can give you something there, all right? So I'm not going to say all hope is lost as well. Uh, and Harbor, you know, of course, he runs track. He's going to run on the track team for whatever university he goes to. Uh, I have been told repeatedly, guys, I know virtually nothing about college track. I, I don't personally know what programs are great, what programs aren't so great. But I've been told repeatedly that Oregon has a better track program than Miami. So that could weigh in on his situation. Uh, he also, he does want to study 
uh, to be an orthopedic surgeon later in life. So, you know, and everybody keeps talking about Miami's medical school, which is great, but it's not like at 18 years old, he'd be in the medical school. That's, you know, postgraduate type of thing. But obviously, undergraduate Miami does have good science programs. Maybe he could be enticed to Miami. They could sell him on the idea of going to Miami's medical school after his pro sports career is over someday. So yeah, the good sciences programs down at Miami could probably help that situation as well. But to answer your question, Melissa, the in-home visit, I'm telling you, there's a chance. I just, you know, I, I don't necessarily think there's a very good chance, uh, but Hey, maybe, maybe Gio just knows more than everybody. I mean, let's, he's, he's good at what he does. I'm, I'm not going to rule anything out at this point. Okay. Uh, by the way, a couple of important notes I want to give you guys before we dive into the rest of your questions. And we have some great ones on tap for today. Uh, we've got a lot of questions about Josh Gaddis and what happens next. Uh, you know, we have questions. I thought a really good question about certain parts of Miami's team being improved most by incoming transfers. I think that's a great one. Got some questions about Miami's wide receivers I want to get to. But a couple of housekeeping notes here on Kane's football um, a player we've talked about a couple times this week, Miami will not be landing safety Tysheem Johnson from Ole Miss in the transfer portal. Uh, we warned you yesterday, even though he was visiting Miami midweek, he was unlikely to stick here. Uh, he ended up committing to Oregon. He announced that. That's why I said it feels like Oregon's getting everybody. They got Tysheem Johnson. We didn't. Uh, and also, um, for anybody out there who has like an offensive coordinator wish list, a name you can cross off of that list if he was even on your list. I don't know. But you can cross the name Jason Candle off your list. That's the Toledo head coach. Uh, remember, Miami actually pursued Candle last year before they ultimately ended up hiring the Broyles Award winner. Uh, Miami pursued Jason Candle, who opted to stay at Toledo, and he has opted again to stay at Toledo because he's just inked an extension to remain Toledo's head coach through 2026. That just happened yesterday. So Jason Candle, I can confidently tell you, will not be the next offensive coordinator or quarterbacks coach or wide receivers coach or analyst or water boy or intern at Miami. Uh, he's, he's remaining at Toledo. So there is that. So we'll continue your questions on the other side. Keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. Oh, guys, we are so excited Hold on, let me pull up the big banner here to show you how excited I am. Boom! New this week on the Locked On Network. We are so proud to welcome in FanDuel. FanDuel is our new sports betting partner. They are the number one sports book in America. FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. If you're a new customer, Join today and get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. I love those. I love parlays. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. It's all in one app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, do not miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts, and we're available free on YouTube. 
Uh, we get a tweet from Pat Mack who says, Alex, I don't think Gaddis is leaving, he says. I believe that Jake Garcia left because he found out Gaddis is staying. I don't think it's a bad thing that Gaddis is staying. Uh, we didn't have the personnel to run his offense with the new offensive line. I think we have it now. Um, okay, so still, the evidence tells me that Gaddis is almost certainly leaving Miami. At this point, even Barry Jackson from the Miami Herald is writing about Gaddis probably leaving. And Barry, like Barry is not required to write about the Miami Hurricanes every day or even every week. Like, you know, Barry doesn't write for like the Miami Rivals site, okay? Like, you know, he he covers all the South Florida teams. He only writes about Miami when he feels like he has a scoop. So when Barry is writing about Gaddis probably leaving, you know that the things we've been talking about on this show for you know, over a month now are probably coming to fruition. In the case of Jake Garcia, uh, I definitely think the Gaddis situation is part of the reason why he left. I don't think it's because he found out Gaddis is staying. But um, for Garcia, part of the reason why he left is because of the uncertainty. Because even if Gaddis does leave at this point, Jake, he didn't know who his quarterback's coach or offensive coordinator would be for next year. Also, uh, and this is not even Gaddis related, Jake Garcia likely would have entered spring football as Miami's third string quarterback this year. So it's probably better for him to try something new. So I, I hope he finds what he's looking for at Mizzou because I like Garcia a lot. He was a really fun player to cover. Um, and, you know, on, on the whole thing about, because Pat said something there about how, like, he actually wouldn't mind if Gaddis stayed because – Miami's offensive line is going to look so much better next year. And listen, just from a purely X's and O's standpoint, I can agree that if your O-line can be fixed, it's going to raise the ceiling of that offense so much if your O-line can be fixed because the O-line was injured and shambolic last year. Um, so you could make the argument that even if Gaddis is, you know, uncreative and uninspiring with his play calls, that the offense can get better. The problem is I just think they're – it's reached a point where there's become so much toxicity with him not recruiting well and not being out on the trail and clearly interviewing for other jobs and the disconnect that I, I was told that there was a disconnect between Gaddis and Frank Ponce, that Gaddis didn't seek his input. And I, I think that there were some hard feelings there. We know that there were hard feelings with certain players you know, who left Miami. Now, maybe that's not fair because if only the guys who are leaving are speaking out about not liking the coordinator, how do the guys who are staying feel? Um, I, I just think, folks, there's there's more to me, there's more to the Gaddis thing than X's and O's. I think it's reached a point where it's starting to feel like it's a toxic relationship, and I think that that toxicity needs to be purged. And it, it goes beyond the point of, hey, you know, even if he's not a great play caller, the personnel is going to make him look better. I, I think we're beyond that point. I think that there's other other factors that come into play here. And, and I do think whoever Miami replaces him with, if he does leave, whoever Mario replaces him with probably won't have that different of an offensive philosophy. Like it's probably going to be a similar philosophy, just hopefully, you know, better relationship building and hopefully sharper play calling and all that. So uh, that's all I will say on that point. Um, Nick Green asks us, 
Hey, it looks like a lot of rumors of Gaddis being out the door. What are some OCs you think Mario would have in mind to come and run a power spread offense? Yeah, because it does seem like a power spread is what Mario likes. Um, now, okay, this is really interesting because if what Jeremiah Smith, the Shamanad receiver, said is true, because remember, Jeremiah Smith said in an interview within the last week that Miami tried to hire Brian Hartline away from Ohio State. That's what Smith said, because Smith committed to Ohio State because of Hartline. He says Miami tried to bring him down here. So, okay, if Miami really did try to do that, um, I, I didn't see any reporter with that scoop. That came directly from Jeremiah. Uh, but if Miami tried to poach Hartline from OSU, then, okay, that makes me feel like they're at least willing to swing for the fences here. And, and try for someone big because Heartline is a big name at this point. Um, so, uh, and by the way, Heartline is, I don't think he's in play any longer because Ohio State promoted him and that's his alma mater. He seems very happy there. Um, you know, I have seen people try to bring up the name Warren Ruggiero from Wake Forest. Uh, he runs a completely different type of offense, a slow mesh. Um, you know, I, I wonder if those Ruggiero links, because I haven't seen anything like reputable behind that. Uh, I, I can't tell if it's just reality or pure fantasy. Um, so as far as like who would fit the philosophy better and who's got connections to Cristobal, I know a lot of you guys, you hate it whenever I bring up the name James Coley. And I brought up Coley at least twice within the past week. But listen, I absolutely believe that Coley would be in play for a role on this offense, even if it's not offensive coordinator, right? He could be a candidate for the vacant quarterbacks coaching job. He could be a wide receivers coach. If you bring somebody different in to be an OC, he could be an OC. Uh, you know, he has ties to Miami and to Mario. He was an OC previously at Miami. He worked for Mario at FIU. So I would never rule out James Coley in some capacity. Uh, I also wouldn't rule out Marcus Arroyo, who worked for Mario at Oregon, was his offensive coordinator for Mario's first couple years in Oregon. That seems like a realistic name. And listen, I could spitball on this all day. Um, I would think that Miami could be considering some current NFL coaches. And I'm not saying like current NFL OCs, maybe current position coaches at some places. Because remember, Alonzo Highsmith, who worked in the NFL for two decades, he knows everybody in that league. So there could be some connections there. Um, but also, like, as far as, you know, really talking about candidates, the Josh Gaddis situation, it's got Miami in a holding pattern because you can't go through the proper protocols of interviewing candidates until the job is actually open, right? That's probably why they couldn't make a legitimate push with Brian Hartline before OSU promoted him. It might be why they didn't have any real shot to make headway with Garrett Riley before Clemson snatched him up. So that's all I've got on that. Uh, let's go to a question from Austin Cosper, who wants to know, hey, with the recruiting and transfers we have acquired so far, uh, how much better do you feel about Miami's linebacker and cornerback rooms? Oh, I, I feel considerably better, um, even more so at cornerback, but at linebacker, Francisco Maui Goa, heck of an addition. He could very well start next to Wes Besaint. Now, Corey Flagg is still on the team. So Corey Flagg, he's he's inevitable. <laughs> it's like at any time we thought Caleb Johnson would beat Corey Flagg out last year, Flagg said nope. Uh, so maybe the same thing happens with Maui Goa. But I do think Maui Goa uh, looks on paper like an upgrade over Caleb Johnson, who you know ran out of eligibility after transferring in last year. 
I like Francisco Maui Goa a lot, and it's not just because he's Francis's older brother. The guy is a bona fide playmaker. He was one of the most productive linebackers in the Pac-12 last year, so he could like legitimately compete to start. And if he doesn't start, he's going to be a solid depth guy. Uh, and, of course, Miami's bringing in some stud true freshmen, but you only asked me about transfers. As far as at corner, oh, I feel very good at corner right now. So I, I project Devontae Brown, who came in from UCF. I think he's a likely starter. Uh, and Terry Roberts, who just came in from Iowa, I think he can compete for starting jobs or for significant playing time. I think the probably the outside cornerback starters are going to be – Probably Devontae Brown and Daryl Porter Jr. That's probably who I project to start on the outside. But, you know, I, I think um, I think Terry, uh, he can play a number of, uh, of different roles uh, depth-wise on that defense. Terry Roberts can. So, ooh, we got some questions about wide receiver as a place of need. Also, got a pretty good question about one of the uh, least talked about players on Miami's roster who's a, a former four-star recruit what the future may hold for him. So keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Eric Flutie, spelled differently than Doug Flutie's last name, so I don't think there's any relation. But Eric Flutie asks, hey, obviously wide receiver is, wide receiver is a place of need. But thinking of what we have currently, do you think Colby Young is a day one starter? Uh, then where would that leave Xavier Restrepo and the freshman who would be more of the consideration for the outside receiver spot? Uh, I'm very bullish on Colby Young. I, I don't really understand why some people act as if this guy was like a bust or something. Like I, I don't I, I see the way some people talk about Colby Young and I, I just don't get it because you know, for a couple of games last year, like when Tyler Van Dyke was still healthy and like starting to actually find his rhythm for a couple of games last year, Colby Young looked like one of the top receivers in the ACC for a minute for a hot second last year. I'm not sleeping on Colby Young because he's got the size and the hands that make him a weapon in the red zone and a weapon down the field. Um, so yeah, I, I project young for what it's worth in January, right? Cause we still have spring and fall coming up, but for right now, I project Colby young, uh, Jacoby George at the other outside spot. And then Xavier Restrepo in the slot. I project those to be Miami's three starting wide receivers next season. Cause let's not forget about Jacoby George. Uh, he got in his own way a little bit last year. He got suspended for the early part of the season. Um, you know, that was his fault and then not his fault. He got injured, uh, which, you know, obviously uh, it, 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 uh, it took a lot of playing time away from Jacoby George, who was not much of a factor last year, but you know, George, he's, he's shifty and he's great down the field, uh, caught a lot of deep balls. He was Miami's home run hitter uh, a couple years ago as a freshman. So I like him a lot. Um, you know, I also, I, I wonder what type of a year Isaiah Horton can have. In his second year this year, he's got excellent size, six foot four. I think he's someone to watch in terms of another outside receiver. Uh, I can see obviously the freshman coming in, plus Rashard Smith getting a lot on the field too. They they all feel more like slot guys though. 
Uh, Michael Redding, he had some moments last year, not very consistent though. Frank Ladson, he was a bit of a letdown last season, had some moments, not very consistent. There was a lot of inconsistency in the receiver room last year. And that's why it's like, if you actually go down the depth chart, you're like, oh, oh, there's some decent names on there. But, you know, unfortunately, uh, none of the names uh, on Miami's wide receiver depth chart have proven they can do it on a consistent basis. The closest to that has been Xavier Restrepo. Uh, as long as he's been on the field, he's been pretty consistent. But, you know, he had a broken foot last year. He missed a lot of time. So really outside of Restrepo, uh, you know, no one else has really been able to string more than like two decent games together. So, you know, it's definitely something to watch. But, you know, for all those reasons, it's why I, I still I want to see Miami add more receivers, hopefully in the transfer portal before it's all said and done. Uh, get a question from Kelso Red, who uh, who's he, he's a longtime radio listener because he knows about my big elbow nickname. He says, hey, elbow, what about Cyrus Moss? Uh, Kelso, I'm glad you brought him up. He's very promising talent. It's easy, I think, to forget about Moss because he redshirted last year. Um, you know, he needs to put on size. I don't know. I'll have to check in on, on his progress, like in the in the weight room, because I, I don't know how much bigger Cyrus Moss is today than he was last spring. Because uh, last year, you know, as a true freshman, he didn't get on the field because he just he doesn't have or didn't have power five size yet at, at the edge. He's a former safety who converted to defensive end. Uh, Bishop Gorman guy, so one of the best you know high school programs in the country. He was only like 210 pounds last year when he got on campus. So I think he's an excellent instinctive pass rusher. Great bend, great twitch, all the attributes you look for. Um, you know, he just needs to get bigger. And, and if he can do that, as you know, we saw Nigelique Kelly, who was the other true freshman who was a factor last year. If Cyrus Moss can catch up a little bit to that, then, you know, even, even before all of Miami's freshmen are ready, because I'm, you know, Jaden Wayne, Ruben Bain, Collins at Chiampong, you know, I think all these guys project out as future stars, but let's not forget about the guys heading into the second year in addition to the guys heading into their first year. So that is an excellent question. Uh, Mark Houston says, hey, I've got two questions. One, there was a lot of chatter about Miami being at the almost at the 85 scholarship limit, yet we've added several commitments. He says, where do we stand? He says, number two, with all the chatter about Gaddis, is Kevin Steele a lock to return next year? Would Charlie Strong take over at that point if not? Uh, okay, so I don't think there's any like way to, to check an official count of scholarship athletes, but there are some sites that keep unofficial counts. And from what I can gather, Miami's count right now of scholarship football players is 84. So yeah, we're living on the edge right now with 85 being in the limit. However, uh, we, we're still inevitably going to see more players decide to transfer out. Remember, there's another transfer portal window coming up in May. Um, others may still decide to leave the program to try to go pro. So, you know, you could say you're at 84 right now. That's not really a real number. Um, 85 doesn't become a hard count until the fall, okay? So, you know, you can't really say we have just one spot open right now because 85 is going to be a moving target between now and fall camp. Uh, as far as uh, Kevin Steele, I don't necessarily think Steele is a lock to remain as the defensive coordinator. I have been told in the recent past about the possibility of Steele stepping off the field into an analyst role 
uh, but staying with the program. Because I think unlike the offensive coordinator, I think the defensive coordinator seems to be pretty well-liked by everyone involved in the program. So I think if he stepped away from D.C., my understanding is that, yeah, Charlie Strong would uh, would likely be promoted to running the defense in that case. Oh man, we 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 got some more good questions. I don't even know if we're going to get to all these today. We have to. We may have to get to some of these tomorrow. So I, I got time for one more, and I definitely want to get to this one because uh, uh, I, something that I've been saying on the show the last couple of days has been talked about a lot. Uh, Bobby asks me, "Hey, I'm in a space right now. I think he tweeted this last night. I'm in a Twitter space." And there seems to be doubt on Jaheim Singletary coming to Miami. Is there any update here? Yeah, I have. Uh, I've raised some eyebrows on the show this week because I've said, uh, I think I said it Tuesday and Wednesday, that I have been told Miami is in a good spot for Jaheim Singletary. But at the same time, reporters that I respect the hell out of, like Gabby Arudia for one, has said that Miami might be completely out of it for him. So listen, in, in hearing that, I think any any time that you're on an island uh, reporting something that others are conflicting with, and uh, you know, it definitely makes me question my sourcing on this one because how can you not question it when others are saying something completely contrary to what I'm hearing? So from what I can tell, here's the best way I can explain what's going on. What I am hearing is coming from a, a different part of his recruitment. So sometimes when you're when you're um, you know reporting things you hear on on recruits, okay, sometimes your sourcing comes from the college staff that's recruiting the player. Sometimes it comes from the player himself. That that is not the case with me, just so you know. But sometimes it can be. Sometimes it comes from the player's family or friends of his. Like an example of that. Remember, I got the scoop uh, a few weeks ago about Terry Roberts from his father, right? So that was a pretty good source on that. Sometimes your sourcing comes from high school coaches of the player or personal trainers of the player, etc. The list goes on and on and on. So sometimes all of those parties sing the same tune. Other times they do not, Okay. So being as transparent as I possibly can on this, I think the disconnect is coming from the fact that what I am hearing comes from a different party of Jaheim Singletary's recruitment than the party that other people are reporting on. Uh, I don't know if that makes me right and them wrong or if that makes them right and me wrong. I think that's where the disconnect comes from. After you make us your first listen here on Locked on Canes, make sure for your second listen, you check out our brand new podcast, Locked on College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big name experts, coaches and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked on College Basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. We will talk to you guys again tomorrow on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.